0: Welcome to the Holistic Healing Project, a podcast that explores how we can optimize our health, support our body's natural ability to heal, and deepen our relationships to ourselves, each other, and the planet. I'm your host, Dr. Laura MacDonald, and each week I'll be bringing you conversations with a range of experts and thought leaders to empower and inspire you on your own journey of healing. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It's lovely to have you here. I hope you're having a good week so far. This week I am sharing a conversation with Louis Schwartzberg, and we actually recorded this a few weeks ago back in lockdown. And it was just lovely to speak about nature because I really have found nature to be healing as always, but especially during lockdown, and I'm sure many of you are feeling the same. Louis is a award-winning producer, director, and a cinematographer. He is also the world's leading pioneer in time-lapse and micros in photography. And his award-winning films have included everything from Wings of Life with Meryl Streep, which is a Disney production, to more recently the Fantastic Fungi documentary, which you, if you haven't yet seen, I really recommend it. It's so beautiful. And it also stars Paul Stamets, who is just a hero of mine as well. So this conversation is all about that and so much more we dive into the ways that we can help to heal planet earth and just how beautiful nature is how healing it is for us physically emotionally and spiritually and yeah it was just a joy to chat with louis he's so warm and he's so passionate and i just loved it so i hope you enjoy this conversation as much as i did and if you do please take a moment to rate and review and i will be with you next week Hi, Louie, Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Great to be here with you.
0: How are things with you? How has lockdown been for you? And are you in L.A.? I'm
1: in L.A., up in the uh, Hollywood Hills, um, in the rugged outdoors, which feels more outdoors because of the fact that there's less pollution. The sky's really blue. It's a beautiful day and I can see all the way across the valley. So there's been some amazingly positive benefits that have come from everybody's slowing down. And, um, you know, with with my heart going out to what, you know, people are suffering in terms of the COVID affecting, you know, low-income neighborhoods and people of high density, it really hurts. But in general, it's incredible that the planet slowed down.
0: Yeah, definitely. And your work speaks so beautifully to that. You know, for anyone who hasn't yet come across you, I was... So keen to speak with you because I've spent the last few months, really since lockdown began, diving into your huge body of work. And I think Fantastic Fungi, are we saying fungi or fungi? I still haven't nailed yeah, that. My, what, what am I say?
1: Mycologists say fungi, but uh, you, you can swing either way.
0: Okay, we'll go Fantastic Fungi. So that came out where we are, at least, um, at the beginning of lockdown. And I just thought there was something really special about that because I know you were meant to be screening in theatres across the world and actually Mm. we weren't going to be near a theatre that was showing it and suddenly it was up there for us, you know, in our living room. And Mm -hmm. I just think there was some kind of synchronicity going on there, this idea of us being asked to stay inside and yet actually bringing nature to us in our living rooms. So I think that was really, really special. And just anyone who hasn't seen the movie yet, I've been sharing it with everybody but it is just wonderful not only is it this piece of art but it's also it's such a brilliant education tool and i learned so much yeah. from it you know i thought i was you know knew a little bit about mushrooms and fungi and Actually, this the scope of the mycelium network network underneath the ground, and yeah, just fantastic piece piece of art. So yeah, yeah thank you so much.
1: We're just all messengers and and slaves to the mycelial network.
0: <laughs> Was that because I know you work in time lapse, don't you? That's your yeah. your kind of medium of cinematography. Can you explain a little bit? Because I presume. The detail that was shown in that film and in your other projects and pieces of work, it's so beautiful and detailed. And time-lapse obviously allows you to do that, but it must be the biggest undertaking to, to film in that way.
1: Well, it, I've always been really fascinated with the idea of altering the uh, human-centric point of view of normal vision. And so to be able to slow time down or speed it up um, enables you to see that other life forms... Exist at different metabolic rates at different time frames, which broadens your perspective on life and opens the fact that all life operates at different frame rates or speeds, and that it's really our job to be able to realize that we're not the only the most important living creatures on the planet. Because then, when you realize that everything else has its own pace, that it's motion, we need to be connected to that network that supports all of life. So don't just walk by a plant or a flower and look at it as static. The fact that it's opening, it's it's beautiful, it's trying to seduce pollinators, it's beckoning us to connect on a much deeper level so that we respect all of life. And then, you, you know, the natural things that come from that, like if you're a gardener, don't use pesticides, be biodiverse. But the, I think, more of the therapeutic spiritual side of it is being open-minded, open-hearted to all forms of life. That's a big lesson.
0: And what came first? Was it your love of nature that led you to, to film nature? Or were you, does that make sense? Or were you already kind of filming and then you found nature?
1: I think they both kind of happened at the same time. I was filming um, in college. I, I picked up photography because... I was documenting the anti-war protests happening on campus. I think I was a political science history major, but you really couldn't study about the French Revolution if there was a revolution happening outside your door. And I started to document the uh, police brutality. And back then, you had to actually learn photography in order to pick up a camera and shoot. And, you know, it was easier for me to hand in a photo essay than a paper. So I fell in love with photography, which easily opened up my you know i found my voice and that led me to filmmaking and then as soon as i picked up the movie camera mother nature is the ultimate teacher when it comes to color to composition to lighting to beauty i'm still learning from the master i mean that's that's a a forever project and so filming nature has always been the thing that like makes me connect with the divine makes me feel connected to the oneness. Cause you see these repeat patterns over and over in nature, whether it's like the grain in a piece of rock or the nebula in deep space or the mycelial network or the, you know, the neurons in your brain, they all look the same <laughs> and trying to like connect with that, you know, universal truth. Is, is what I love to do, making the invisible visible.
0: You just mentioned the idea of the neural networks, and you really see that in the mycelium beneath the ground, this idea that actually what's going on in our human bodies, um, whether it's the neural pathways or the fact that we've got microbiome and you know fungi and bacteria living inside us, actually it's all going on around us in nature. And you come away from watching it just with a re- renewed sense of you know, we are nature, we're not separate. And it's such a powerful message to come across. But is that the the goal of all of your work? Is that your mission or is there something else going on?
1: No, I I think to be the voice of conscious evolution. (laughs) And you see it in nature and you see it in people. Because as you said, we are nature. We're not separate from it. So I think I do try to help illuminate the fact that it is all interconnected And all these biological ecospheres all interconnect. You know, what we do to the earth, we do to ourselves. If we kill the bees, we lose our food. You know, it's all interconnected. So we need to learn how to, I think, live in balance so that we don't create ecological damage, which is one of the things we're going through right now, is the fact that we are, you know, out of sync with having a sustainable impact on the planet. So I think this is like you know maybe a warning sign from Mother Nature to get our act together, get out of the fast lane, move in the slow lane, refigure it all, reformat, reboot, and let's reenergize ourselves as we come out of this, like into what should be the right reality. You know, re- respect, love, kindness, sustainability, respect for all life. That would be really a good way to come out of it.
0: Yeah, it definitely feels that we're at a pivot point. Hopefully. And it's going to go one of two ways. And movies like yours and your work, I think the more that we feel connected with nature, the more likely we are to care for Mother Earth and just be more... It's just about being conscious, isn't it? Walking down the street yeah. and really... You know, I just went to pick up a coffee before speaking with you. And I was really aware of just looking at the trees as I walked past and looking at the sunrise. And it just fills you with so much joy and just a sense of gratitude for being alive, and the more you feel that, the more you want to care for for your home, your your planet Earth. There are so many beautiful stories coming out at the moment, isn't there, about how the Earth is having a chance to breathe. Um, it's just a question mm-hmm. of whether we then go back, um, kind of pick up where we left off, or whether we really take this as a as a moment to learn.
1: I think it's definitely an opportunity for a moment to learn. Like we've we've been uh, talking about this. You know, we just had Earth Day, the fiftieth anniversary and everything we knew back then we knew now, like the idea that you have to recycle, that you have to have regenerative energy, solar panels, you name it. But why haven't we done it? The technology was there around 50 years ago to make major leaps forward and um, it's about the fact that we needed a shift in behavior, which is a shift in consciousness. So what's it going to take to shift the consciousness? Because doing it's obviously easy. And I think that, (laughs) you know, putting the science in front of people did not work. Making people feel bad about destroying the environment did not work. I think the environmental movement messaging, you know, it was just, you know, for a lot of people, turns out just to be like a bummer (laughs) to hear that, you know, we're all going to die, we're all going to drown. But that's the science on it. But I think what's happening is it's like Mother Nature is forcing us to stop and reevaluate, so that we do make the right choices coming out of it. And we've just been you know going sort of like in the fast lane, and we've had all these warning signs. I mean, like if if something happens, and it will happen with climate change, people are going to ask like they are, they're asking now with the pandemic, why weren't we prepared? Why didn't we know about? It? Well. Why weren't we prepared about all this stuff? The same thing will happen. And and I think now it's a lesson to learn that we have to be prepared. There are warning signs. But it's amazing. Mother Nature is just really showing us we can survive and slow down at the same time, which means being more present. Not just like not working, meaning more present.
0: I think it's so so sad that we've almost required this huge wake-up call. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, there's so much suffering and there's so many people that have, have really been affected. And yet, in some ways, you can't help but think, you know, we needed this. This is exactly, we weren't going to stop flying. It just shows, doesn't it, yeah. how actually we can stop flying when we need to. We can stop yeah. polluting the planet. And sometimes Mother Nature just takes things into our own hands, which has been interesting. I think we've all learned a lot, hopefully. Um, some of us have had harder journeys than others, obviously, through this but I'm sure we will all come out of this slightly changed, hopefully with a different perspective. And yeah, just work like yours. I think just, just as you said, raising that human consciousness, getting more aware, and then hopefully just realizing that this is the only planet we have. This is the only home that we have.
1: What's beautiful is I don't want people to think if they haven't seen a film, it's like a heavy message film, environmental film. It's not at all. It doesn't tell you to do anything. It just shows you the truth. And that happens to coincide with science that's all. If I'm showing you a time-lapse mushroom growing, that's real. I'm just showing you something you can't see. It's if I gave you a pair of glasses and you could see something more close up or a telescope to see the craters on the moon clearly. You know, I'm just showing you what's real, which happens to coincide with science, which also happens to be the blueprint for how to live our lives in harmony with the planet. The answers are there. Look at the mycelial network a shared economy under the ground where nutrients are shared for ecosystems to flourish without greed there it is there's the answer it's right there how we could live our society and our culture everybody benefits when everybody does well that's how it works in nature there it is and and then, and you see it and it's real and guess what it works it's been working for a billion years or more and we've barely been here on the planet and like, why not? You know, look what's underneath your feet. There's a roadmap right there that shows you how to live sustainably, so that future generations can enjoy heaven on Earth as much as we have.
0: And I heard you um, speaking on one of the panels you you spoke on, and you were saying that actually there's this this shift into a more feminine way of being mm-hmm. on Earth in terms of collaboration and just connection um, rather than you know greed and having everything for yourself and i think that's such an important message to come out of this it's the idea of sharing and looking after each other i think the most poignant bit for me in the film was when an animal had died and it was decaying and then the mycelium came up from the ground and actually decomposed it and i mean that was absolutely incredible it blew my mind that, that <laughs> of course of course that was exactly what happens but it's that idea of Really, once once you die, you are just going back to the earth and it's a cycle. And I think the idea of life and death, and it's just something that, you know, with the virus recently, I think a lot of our fear has been driven by fear of death and the fact that we are so kind of in denial that that's actually the process of life and it is a very normal process and it was illustrated in the film that mm-hmm. you know if we, we die and that's okay and we go back to the ground and that actually all the nutrients from that then goes forward to new life um, and the other moment in the film that was also really poignant was the latter part with the stage four cancer patients when you actually there's a whole segment where you start to explore psilocybin um, which is obviously a compound that you can get from certain mushrooms and the way that these psychedelic experiences had really helped support these these patients to to face their death and to come to our own understanding that we are in a process of life and death and actually you know that that's okay that's just the way of it so for me that was as a stage four cancer patient someone who's had stage four cancer myself um both of those moments really touched me and the way Mm -hmm. that yeah, we're just living life and dying as part of it, um, but it's not to be feared. So, yeah. how did how yeah. did you find those two parts of the film?
1: Well, I, I think it's you're right. It's like the greatest existential question, like what happens to you when you die. And um, you know, one of the patients in the film, I think Tony said something really beautiful. Like he, uh, you know, he was a cancer patient and went through a psilocybin session. And he said, you know, afterwards, what he felt was this great oneness with everything. And and he just embraced living and lost his fear of dying. And uh, I think if it can do that, it's a giant gift for anybody in that situation. Because, you know, I can't even imagine having the fear of worrying about something going wrong in your body. And on top of it, having to... <laughs> Fantasize about what happens to you when you die. Is it the uh, religious heaven and hell story? Because that's a story I would not buy in a minute. Um, or is it some other story? Or is it the thing we just described biologically? It's just a beautiful recycling of energy, and that to me is like a, a better story that feels a little more grounded, <laughs> literally. So um, it's it's great to ask these big questions. But to do it with a sense of comfort and love and and feeling that you're part of the universe. We all have to, I think, come up with our own POV on what happens when you die. And I'm sure we'll be asking that question every moment before we die and revise our POV on that, right? I mean, to wake up every day, what is life? Who am I? It's never locked in stone. So it's a great question to ask over and over
0: Mm, and of course, just the highlight that the the trials that were done with with those patients, stage four cancer patients, it's all kind of in a relatively clinical setting through trials and set and setting is controlled as well. Just to highlight to anyone for anyone listening, um, but that that section of the film is just wonderful. It just um Tony, as you mentioned, is just a great speaker, and he he really speaks so eloquently about the gift that it gave him and the way he was able to show up in his life and. Yeah, I think a lot of your work is about celebrating life and the beauty of the whole spectrum of life, and not just us. So it's not just focus on self, but everything around us as well, and what makes a human experience a human life, um, which I love so much. So the other huge project of yours that I have been diving into over the last few months has been your your moving art and the way that you've obviously got your Netflix um, series, which are just wonderful. And then there's the online series, which is focused on gratitude. I think that's such an important practice to be exploring right now. Well, any, at any point in life, it's important. But especially now, the way that gratitude can move us out of if we're in a bit of a negative spiral or if we're anxious or feeling stuck, it can really quite quickly lift us out. And I'd just love to hear a little bit about how that came about, your your series on gratitude.
1: I think I learned gratitude growing up in Brooklyn, with parents you know who were both Holocaust survivors, having gone through what they experienced and having the simple things in life, like food on the table, a roof over your head, security of a steady job, the gift of being able to have children after what they went through, those were the things that they cherished and valued. And to them, that was heaven on earth. To us, it would be just a crummy apartment in the Bronx for an immigrant family growing up. So you, you learn to appreciate the little things in life, and you learn to, as a you know someone who cares about the environment and, and nature, it shifts the way you observe life. You know the way you stare at a flower, the way you observe the fact that the bee is pollinating it, and getting these little particles on its furry little legs, and carries that pollen to another flower so that it can be fertilized, so that we can have an apple, a plum a peach to eat, all that beauty occurs by observation. And I think that leads to this idea that it's really all about wonder. In other words, when you have that sense of wonder and you're in the divine moment and so many practices you know, talk about it's all about getting to be in the moment with how you when you meditate or yoga or whatever, catch the perfect wave. So when you're finally there in the moment, that's when it's all about appreciating and having gratitude to be able to experience that and i think that that's what stays inside of you after a peak experience is a gratitude you had for being able to have gone to yosemite or to have swum with a giant whale or seen a field of flowers you remember that and you're grateful grateful for all those gifts that have been given to you and i think the more you focus on gratitude. There's less room in your brain for negative energy to come in. It's like it, it just fills your hard drive with good stuff, and there's no more room for the bad stuff.
0: You you collaborated with a few people who I especially admire. So you've got NQ, who's the poet. I love that. Mm. Um, when I'm 85, his, his yeah. poem that he... He's got in that video it's so beautiful and then obviously uh there's also the one on connection with jason da silva who is just the most wonderful wordsmith he can just the way yeah. he speaks about you know his use of language is just Unparalleled, so yeah enjoyed those two. I mean the whole series is definitely I really recommend everyone go away and have have a watch of that um, yeah and then the other project that I, as a doctor, I have just been so interested to speak to you about is your visual healing project i 've actually spent several weeks in hospitals um, after operations, and also when I was having chemotherapy, you know you 're hooked up to uh, an IV for six, seven mm. hours at a time. And you know, quite often you're just sitting there in in the chair or in the hospital bed, you've got so much time to think about your situation. And quite often you're you're in a room, you know, very clinical, white walls. It's not a healing environment, you know. I know there's there's hospitals and there's hospitals and of course the more private, lavish ones, there there will probably be a nicer, um, more healing environment. But for your average person going to hospital, it can be a challenging experience anyway. And then you've obviously got your recovery after the operation and I just loved the idea that you have helped to get this this visual healing into these quite clinical surroundings because there's so much evidence now that actually the ideal world is that you would be out in nature yourself actually there but actually there's no evidence that simply by watching nature through a screen you can gain some of those health benefits be it physical health mental health emotional mm-hmm. health so i'd love to just hear a little bit about really how how it came to be that you started exploring yeah. visual healing
1: well it came to be because people i've gotten hundreds of comments from the people who viewed my net my moving art Netflix series. Uh, there's like 20 episodes and it's music with visuals, no narration. It just sets you off on a journey into like forest, ocean, desert, flowers, Big Sur, New Zealand, just puts you on a journey. And people claimed it was a healing modality that it helped them either in post-op or pre-operation. A lot of comments about, you know, lowering stress, PTSD, anxiety, Several young people who were suicidal said it saved their life. And I've had parents say that they had breakthroughs with children with autism, being able to watch these programs together with their child. So that obviously, you know, kind of confirmed what I felt in my heart. Anyways, you know, it's nice to get like outside opinion, especially when you don't even ask for it. You know, but spiritually, the journey I've always been on is I look at nature because it heals me. You know, looking at those rhythms and patterns is like looking into a mirror into the deepest part of your soul. So why not share that with people? So I think there's lots of ways that the experience of looking at nature can really heal you. One is like it is a reflection of everything that's going on inside your body. The micro molecular scans inside your cell look like the patterns of the ocean. I mean, you're, you're made up of water. So if you're looking at these patterns, these patterns are inside of every cell of your body. And so it'd be good to look at patterns that were healthy as opposed to ones that weren't or artificial. It's light energy. It goes straight to your brain. Music we know has been healing for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. And that's sound energy, you know, that sends vibrations to the brain. No different than light energy sending a vibration to the brain. That's why movies are good. Light and sound together. But why not use it instead of like making, instead of creating fear and anxiety, in ninety percent or more of content that's made, we could be sharing um, flourishing and uh, uh, resilience and courage, strength themes of messaging, that would you know affect. I think your physiology as well as your mind, body, and spirit.
0: There's actually been studies that have been done showing that patients um, leave hospital faster in certain yes. situations and heal quicker post-surgery when they've got access to nature, even if it's just looking at a beautiful park outside the hospital window. Um, so I think any any way that we can bring more nature into the hospital is mm-hmm. just so yeah. important. Have you actually been involved with studies then yeah, or is it just... how's it kind of progressing
1: well you know it takes a lot of money to do a big clinical trial we have a lot of a a lot of subjective comments we're actually if you go to movingart.com we're involved in a crowdsourcing research survey where people are watching some of the gratitude videos and responding to a standard psychological test to understand how it shifts their mood and, and their being which is really great for me it's kind of funny um sometimes like you have to ask the question like why do we have to like science prove i know it feels great to have the validity but like you know to prove that certain things that make you feel good are good for you like i remember a time magazine article once it was it was it said it's all about sex you know and it had all this like science to prove that when you're in love when you're romantic there's more hormones being released and endorphins and and therefore less you know, cases of, of uh, cancer and prostrate and whatever. And it's like, well, for thousands of years, artists have been singing that love makes the world go round. And it's like, oh, now we have evidence <laughs> that there's a biochemical reaction that occurs when you're in love or having a peak moment of romance. Like, well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> right? Anyways, I know in my heart that all this stuff does work. And you don't have to spend like 100000 or $200,000 with 100 people to like do a trial to say, hey, guess what? We're right. If it makes you feel good and all the you know millions of people that have now seen the film that have come out crying, that have said it changed their life without me telling them anything other than discover it on your own by looking at the truth of nature, then yeah, it's a healing process.
0: You actually give patients the option, don't you, as well? So you say, um, where would you like to go to be healed? And it's ocean yes. or forest, yeah. because we're actually so different. I know I've got a real affinity to, I'm always pulled back to the ocean.
1: Yeah. So to illuminate that, I mean, what we did at UCSC it was a brand new billion dollar medical center. It opened a year ago. So everyone is you know, really in, in healthcare looking to enhance It's called patient experience. Have you heard that phrase, Lauren? Yeah. And if you haven't, it's like that's the big deal. It's like, you know, why would you want to go to hospital A versus hospital B if you're getting a standard thing like a a knee replacement? It's all about the patient experience, maybe better food, better vibe. And so the rooms are changing to be more like hospitality. And so I walked into this room, and and they have this, like, iPad now which is really, I think, a giant improvement that the patient can keep track of the medical procedures that they're doing on them. So you can be involved and not just trust the doctor blindly to do whatever testing they want to do on you. And it also controlled the lights and the shades in the room. And I said, why don't we put a question on the front of that tablet that says, where in the world do you want to go to be healed? Give them the power of choice when choice has been taken away of where, they, where their power spot would be forest ocean desert flowers where do you want to go you know
0: out of interest where would you go louis where's your your healing place
1: i'd probably go to the ocean i'm a pisces so i like being around water
0: and do you have a favorite spot in the world because i imagine you must have just traveled everywhere haven't you by now
1: definitely seen a lot of the world um it's hard to have a favorite spot you know because it's like all different like from the extreme of Maui and warm water to you know being up on a glacier in New Zealand, and everything in between is like really good
0: <laughs> yeah, just being just being in nature there's something isn't it is, you 've mentioned it quite a few times, but this this spirit that is awakened, and i 'd love to know, do you feel nature is a portal to spirituality? I know that when I watch a sunset. Sunsets is just my thing i make yeah. sure every day i'm outside mm-hmm. to catch even if it's not a true sunset even if it's just a slight change in the clouds or the you see you know that energy that you get at a certain time the golden hour and right. something happens to me and i i feel so elated simply by getting outside for that Just a small window, about half an hour. I I certainly feel that there's a deeper connection to something else beyond myself. So I'd love to just hear a little bit about what you think about that.
1: Should we go like way beyond out there? (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Well, I feel the same way when you watch the sunset. And I think it's the greatest show on earth. It kills me. People don't just like flock by the thousands, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like like the seagulls on the beach. They all look west into the sunset. I mean, you're looking at light energy. You're looking at pure light energy going into your eyes. And that's, you know, um, you know so if, if energy is the source and it's being filtered through all the atmosphere that creates that red glow, that's a bit of a scientific explanation of what you're viewing, um, creates beautiful emotions in your heart. The color, I mean, the, you know, right? The reds and transitioning to like the cyan in a, in a magic hour shot the rainbow of the color spectrum being revealed to you all there, you know, in one shot is um, inspiring because what you're looking at is really energy. You're looking at light energy being broken up into the visual spectrum. Mm. You're looking at energy. So, and then I think around energy wraps things like plants and fungi and other life sectors wraps around energy. Animals are energy You know, and we're just all manifestations of energy. I think on a really deep level, you're connecting to that. That's, I think, what creates the oneness. Because the oneness, even if you ask, like, the biggest, most, you know, incredible Nobel laureate scientist, like, what is it all about? What is everything? What is the ultimate, 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 ultimate thing? And the answer is it's all wavelength energy. That's what they say. It's, you know, light energy and sound energy and ultraviolet energy and all kinds of invisible energy. We're just scratching the surface. We only see like one octave. If there's eight octaves on a keyboard, we can only perceive one octave and that's like the visible light spectrum. And that's a lot to absorb, but we know that there's so much more way beyond it. There are just different forms of energy. We haven't figured out how to be able to record. X-ray, infrared, you know, it just keeps on going out there and then beyond to stuff we don't know anything about. I think that when you're getting this reflection of energy, the sunset, the ripples on the water, the way the highlights dance back and forth in this rhythmic pattern that makes you feel like you can just like take off and um, be in heaven. All of that is a rhythm pattern of energy being reflected into the deepest part of your soul. And that's what I love to shoot. Slow down, blow up, reframe, edit, put music to it, and intensify that energy, intensify it, make, make it an emotional, it's like not just a note, it's a note played with like passion.
0: Yeah, and you just do it so beautifully. It's just, it's a gift to the world. It really, really is. I'd just love to know a little bit about really what you've learned, because I understand that you have been studying time-lapse or using time-lapse to specifically record flowers 24-7 for is it four decades now yes and you're the only person in the world who has done this
1: well I'm not positive about being the only but probably <laughs> hard to find somebody else who's done something every day for 40 years yeah yeah
0: just such dedication to that and and you have to do it in your own lab at home don't you you're not always you can't be outside right. for various reasons so so you have this this passion that has been driving you for 40 years or so um, to, to record this?
1: Well, there's a lot of ways to explain it, I think. One would be that the flowers seduce me, you know, with their color, their taste, their touch, their aroma, their uh, everything. It's a sexual organ of the plant. It gives us all the healthy food we need to eat. How could you not be turned on <laughs> by a flower? How come every woman in the world accepts flowers as a gift from men when men screw up? It's like, you know, the universal gift of, like, love me, <laughs> right? Do you know of a woman that doesn't like flowers?
0: I don't know anyone. You know Surely me. everyone loves flowers. <laughs>
1: everyone, male or female. So definitely the the color and the fact that in time lapse, when I first started, I couldn't really afford to shoot film. And, and in time lapse, you're recording, but at a very slow rate, like one frame every five minutes or, or, or 20 minutes. You're shooting four seconds in a 24 hour period. So it didn't cost me a lot of money when I, you know, 40 years ago when I had no money and I wanted to shoot the highest quality film production like any major motion picture. So that was one way to accomplish it and learn about lighting and the art of cinematography without having to spend a lot of money. A good lesson for any young person listening. So that enabled me to, to to dive into it, and then can you fall in love with it? And then you think, well, that's a big enough reason, but it's not. Because then you learn about the fact that the bees are disappearing. with With colony collapse disorder, you know, if they go, we go, without pollinators... No fruits, nuts, vegetables, but you can't tell the story about the bees without telling the story about bees, bats, hummingbirds and butterflies, the pollinators. You can't tell that story because they co-evolved together. So then I realized, well, maybe I've been shooting all these flowers to tell the story, which turned out to be Wings of Life, a film I did for Disney Nature, where Meryl Streep is the voice of the flower, the beautiful feminine voice that is seducing bees, bats, hummingbirds, butterflies to come land on her. And move her pollen around so that life can continue again, life is a force of energy it wants to go forward it wants DNA to go forward that 's you know another name for evolution, but it 's also life you know life we all know is unstoppable you know it may not be in a human form, but it 's unstoppable <laughs> so that 's the reason maybe why i 've been shooting time lapse because I was able to then. Not to say, well, it's going to take me 20 or 30 years to get all these really great shots of flowers in, in, in time lapse, but I had a, a large library that I could already use and tell a story about the most serious environmental threat to mankind, loss of bees. So there's a reason for all that. Sometimes you don't know the reason why, but that was a really, I think, important one from someone that's not really an environmentalist as much as I just want to stand up for life. Anything that gets in the way of life, you know, I'm going to back you up. I'm going to try to defend you. I'll, try, I'll fight for you. I think we need courage.
0: Well, I was going to ask you, what, what do you see your role right now? And it sounds like almost a protector or educator. I'd love to know.
1: I think an awakener.
0: Mm, that's <laughs> great. An awakened.
1: Yeah. Once you see it, you get it. Right? Yeah. Once you understand it, the idea of the oneness and whether that comes from you know a deep dive into the portals of nature, which is like the easiest way to do it, or art, or surfing a wave, or meditation, or, or having a, a a journey with sacred plant medicine. Whatever it takes to get you there, once you get it, you get it. You know, you don't have to ever do that again because you you realize how it's all connected. I'm just trying to help people see that, you know, and sometimes rather than talk about it. Because it sounds so hippy dippy, and new agey, it's like, check this out, dude! Watch this mushroom grow out of a log in front of your eyes, you know. And what does that say to you? <laughs> you know. And then we ended up like projecting mushrooms on the Vatican, you know, which was mm, really
0: I love beautiful. that bit then, of the film. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to powerful. get nature's
1: imagery to you know to show that we can even support. The Pope, with yeah. his encyclical on on the environment, you know, finally we have a good guy there. And it's like, how wonderful to be able to put light energy, shed light on the Vatican, you know. Given even hindsight that my parents are Holocaust survivors, that in one generation we could turn that around, mm. right? From the yeah, fact that there the was the medium
0: uh, of nature and cinematography, yeah, so beautiful. So. You're doing your bit by sharing nature with us and, as you said, becoming a, an awakener, really, to help us. And and once we've seen the situation, once we've woken up to the state of our world and the fact that we actually all have to take responsibility, you know, this isn't something we've been waiting for for years for a government kind of led top down approach to healing our planet and and really our health as well, because obviously it's so interlinked. Planetary health is human health. But it, it feels there's definitely um, an underground kind of movement coming back, which obviously, you know, I know we've been here before in the 60s and 70s, um, and, and it feels like it's coming back with people like Greta and Extinction Rebellion, you know, and mm-hmm. work like yours as well, just really kind of galvanizing people to want to take action themselves. So what would you say to anyone listening who, who has either been on this journey themselves or they've been watching your work or they've you know, seen Fantastic Fungi, what can people do? What are actionable, actionable tips that you would recommend for, for us all just to do in our daily lives that we can start just contributing really to this awakening and this healing of, of the planet?
1: That's a pretty heavy question. I think that, um, <laughs> just a
0: light one to end on.
1: <laughs> I'd say definitely look, you know, I would say start your day by looking at a flower, something really simple, something really beautiful. Just first thing when we wake up in the morning, I'm I'm visual, so that's what I do. But I think it's something easy we can do. At least start the day with something good. Like don't go to your iPhone, and see a bunch of messages that are stressful. Because I don't really meditate. I don't want to close my eyes. I'm visual. We all have our our gifts and our our, our favorite things. But I love just starting by looking. You know, in the backyard, what what grew overnight. And I think what that does it opens up a channel. For you to feel love, you know, loving where you are in this environment right now. And when you when you get that love emotion with nature, you will automatically make all the right choices about how to protect and and how to sustain and, and how to be a part of it. Like if you love trees, you don't have to be told, don't throw away paper. You will recycle, you know, because it'll hurt you to throw away a bunch of paper. It hurts me. I don't go, oh, I should do this. This is the political correct thing to do. It's like, I can't throw away the paper. And I can't stomp on a bug in the, in, in, in the garden either, you know, because I have no idea of <laughs> the genius it took to create that bug that is somehow part of this ecosystem living in my garden. Who am I to like stomp on a bug? It's little things like that that can like shift your perspective on a grand scale that We don't want to mess up the the socio-political structure that we live in. We should live like the mycelium network, where everything is is designed for communities to flourish, that everything is connected. You know, when everybody does good, we all do good. You know, that is the way nature operates. That would be my message. Find that pattern everywhere. It's clear how nature operates, you know. It's right under our feet. It's right in front of your nose. You know, Um, it's really easy. Nature operates by cooperation and having it all be a cycle. You know, if you break one part of it, you break the whole thing. That's what we discovered. Get the wolves out of Yellowstone and then the deer populate and then the plants are destroyed. I mean, like every little thing fits into every little thing. And again, what, you, what we do to the earth, we do to ourselves. What we do to any species, we do to ourselves. We're losing species. 30%, 40%, in 50 years. Like, WTF, what's going on, man? It's really great that I think we've slammed the brakes on, and I hope that people take this moment and go, that wasn't normal. Maybe Mother Earth is telling us, you know, what is normal. This is normal. We can't go back to that because people were already dying and not getting health care. Children were starving to death. Five million kids a year starve. You know, it's like you don't want to hear that stuff. But that, that was, that was that, those were the good times <laughs> a couple of months ago. Why go back to that? So we, let, let's be inventive, creative. Look at the patterns of nature. It is a roadmap. It is a pathway for everyone. To find your, go on your own journey, find your own path. But the blueprint is all there; it's all there for people to follow.
0: That's so wonderful. Thank you so much, Louie, and yeah, just thank you so much for all of your work over this past mm. forty years creating this kind of back catalogue of amazing images and moving art. And for anyone who hasn't seen Fantastic Fungi, I just recommend the film so much. I've watched it twice and I will definitely watch it again. And then where else can people find you if they'd like to connect with you?
1: I have a lot of shorts on movingart.com that um, are interesting. And then for the movie, uh, fantasticfungi.com, you can rent or download the movie. And um, there's also a lot of great information on the website. I just want to add, like, we have all these, like, seven pillars from, like, gardening, environmental actions you can take, learning more about sacred medicines, but, you know, solutionaries, visionaries, artists, scientists, all the different mycologists. (laughs) Look, it's just a giant circle of branches around, why not, the largest kingdom on the planet, which we know nothing about. Why wouldn't there be a lot of tentacles to one third of life on our planet, which everybody thinks is a is a plant, but it's really.
0: not? Well, thank you. It's been so lovely to speak with you. I appreciate your work so much. Okay. And All right. Yeah, just take excited care. to see what comes next for you.
1: All right. Take care. Bye bye.
0: thank you so much for listening to our conversation today i really hope you enjoyed it and as always if you did please take a moment to rate and review and if you'd like to connect head on over to the holistic healing project instagram or my website which is dr lauren mcdonald and i really look forward to connecting with you in the future Please remember that whilst I am a qualified medical doctor, I am not your medical doctor. So whilst we often talk about health and well-being and we give out tools and tips and sometimes discuss topics that are a little bit fringe or alternative, this is very much for information only. It is not individual medical advice. So please, if you have any health concerns, make sure you go and see your own practitioner.